Welcome to the Hello First Name Podcast. The Hello First Name Podcast revolves around the term personalization and is brought to you by marketing author Rasmus Holin, founder of Omnichannel Institute and chief experience officer at the marketing automation software company Agilic. The podcast is based on the book Hello First Name. Each episode is based in turn on a chapter from the book, followed by a discussion of the very same chapter with an expert marketing practitioner in the following episode. As always, you can buy the book on Amazon or other bookstores. You can also choose to listen to it all for free on your favorite podcast service. You're also very welcome to download the abstract of the book for free, and all models, of course, are able to download. All downloads are sponsored by Agilic. I'll make sure to put a link to everything in the show notes. But you can always connect on LinkedIn, and I'll be happy to reply and help out. Chapter 11. Personalization in Marketing Automation. Marketing automation, sometimes also called customer lifecycle communication, is a way of automatically communicating to customers the best possible message that matches the moment of truth you believe the customer to be in. Going back to the old personalization mantra of delivering the right message at the right time to the right person in the right channel, automation touches upon the first three parts, and if we get our channel prioritization right, all four. This is in contrast to the campaign mindset, see chapter 9, where we've already decided to reach out to one or several large customer segments and aren't too concerned about whether the timing is ideal for them. But hey, it's Thursday and we promised to send weekly newsletters before the weekend, right? Here, instead of looking solely at the upper part of the bow tie of personalization, we're now focusing on the portion from the bottom left containing moments of truth to the top right containing messages. More specifically, we're looking at the second core marketing discipline, marketing automation, and how to work across the bow tie of personalization. Remember that all models can be downloaded from omnichannelinstitute.com resources. Value creation in marketing automation. Getting the timing right for each individual carries perhaps the greatest opportunity to be perceived as relevant. And when it comes to getting people's attention, there's almost no better tactic for being perceived as relevant. Of course, since you'll never have a complete data picture and know exactly what's going on inside the heads of your customers, you'll always be playing a guessing game to some extent. So once again, it's about optimizing relevance in a non-perfect world, realizing you won't get it right for everyone all the time. Segments and content feeds are secondary in marketing automation. We discussed in earlier chapters how segments matter a lot when you're personalizing your messages and campaigns. For marketing automation, the majority of the value creation lies in getting the timing right and not so much in whether or not the message has multiple variants that are personalized for each segment. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't consider making multiple variants of your marketing automation messages, more that you should consider making and launching several automation flows before considering developing multiple variants of the content within these flows. Going back to the Pure Gym example, introduced in Chapter 6, around addressing inactivity in a health club member, it might be valuable to go from using a generic message to using a variant for each segment. However, you will get much greater value from sending a generic message than from sending none at all. So always consider whether your time is better spent developing more flows that address more moments of truth rather than making variants of existing ones. The same goes for content feeds. It often makes sense to have product feeds in your outbound emails. If you have an email that goes out 40 minutes after a customer has abandoned their basket, then it could be idea to include the products they left behind in combination with other products that could be either substitutes for or complementary to the ones in the basket. There are many potential reasons for the customer not completing the purchase, so your product feeds could provide inspiration for customers where the exact products in the basket perhaps weren't the right ones. 
The main point, however, is that the most important thing about the abandoned basket email is that it exists and that it is being triggered. The rest you will have to test to see whether there is any substantial difference in the effect. The actual contents of the abandoned basket and the additional products may add a modest amount of additional value. However, the key point is that the personalized timing alone will lead to substantial open click and conversion rates. So in this case, especially, don't let perfect become the enemy of good. For marketing automation, consider value over the long term. With marketing automation, you'll have a better chance of being perceived as relevant than if you send campaigns. However, you most likely won't reach a large number of customers with one specific message within a short period of time. This is natural, since your message is basically sitting around waiting for people to get into a situation where it's relevant. This means that the time perspective for evaluating whether your marketing automation is delivering the financial results you're after should be considerably longer than that for a campaign, for example. In a visualization that shows how results come in from campaigns and marketing automation, you would see spikes representing the value that comes from four large campaigns spread over a year. The work to produce these is put in shortly before the campaign, and the results come in around the same time that each campaign runs. For the automations, however, first of all, there's never really any crazy rush to get things up and running. No one will miss the modest amount of money coming from the first week of the first automated flow being run. However, the flow will continue to run even on days when no one is at work. And if the data keeps coming in, the messages keep going out, so theoretically, the investment of work keeps making you money for years. Of course, in practice, you'd want to refresh the wording and the graphics and continue to optimize the built-in logic. For instance, exactly when and why the messages are triggered. But the flow would continue to run regardless. Marketing automation gets really interesting, however, when you start to have a more elaborate battery of automated flows that each addresses customers in different important moments of truth. Then the value begins to stack up. Consider again the level to which value creation has risen after a fictive company has worked with marketing automation for around a year and has launched several value creating flows that are running simultaneously. By this point, they would miss a substantial amount of money if suddenly they stopped running the flows for one reason or another. It is therefore important to remember that the value creation that comes from marketing automation is incremental and long-term. The three primary value drivers of marketing automation. Value creation in marketing automation can be divided into three major categories. One, increased top line margin. Two, decreased customer churn. Three, cost savings. The way in which increased top-line sales are affected by marketing automation varies greatly between transactionally-oriented businesses, as retail and travel, and subscription businesses, for instance streaming and entertainment, and charities to some extent. As such, the first category can be divided into two subtypes, retail and subscription. Increased top-line, retail. For retail businesses that have few ongoing interactions with their customers, it is very important to create interactions that can supply a stream of data to determine moments of truth, insights, and thus fuel marketing automation. A grocery store, a high-purchase frequency business, needs to do little more than have some kind of loyalty scheme to get a steady stream of data, whereas an apparel or kitchenware business might benefit from using stronger campaign pressure and or gamification tactics. If there are no conversations to listen in on, don't hesitate to start them, and while you're at it, make them fun. Once you have an abandoned basket, products added to a wishlist or a transaction, or preferably multiple transactions, then a lot of the potential triggers will revolve around those data points. Give advice, information, or tips about the purchased product. Ask for a review. Ask customers whether they'd like to be notified about an out-of-stock item. Again, 
Make It All About Me by Rasmus Holin and Colin Shearer provides plenty of concrete ideas. In general, value creation will come from addressing as many moments of truth as possible, as opposed to developing multiple variants of a triggered communication. On the other hand, automated flows are generally triggered by such great signs of customer intent that it is worth having multiple steps within each flow. In your abandoned basket flow, for instance, consider having one classic abandoned basket email, then a reminder, potentially with an SMS message on top, then a follow-up email with more broad category-related messages and recommendations, and then perhaps a bump-up in paid media bits for a little while. When you're setting up triggers that mimic retargeting to some extent, for instance for an abandoned basket or an abandoned browsing session, remember that you have the option to add creativity and not just provide an echo of the customer's action. So instead of sending emails with more push chairs to people who are already confused from having looked at too many push chairs, consider sending an article with guidance on how to select the right push chair. This article could provide suggestions about what to consider and when it makes sense to choose which option. At the conference, Dialogkonferensen, in Gothenburg, Sweden in 2022, Representatives of the multi-brand apparel retailer Varner Gruppen talked about the company's use of automation. They stated that, in general, marketing automation flows increased conversions by a factor of three compared to scheduled weekly newsletters. In another example, the European fashion marketplace Mento increased its gross merchandise value, a measure comparable to total sales, per customer by 31% through marketing automation. Increased top-line subscription An increase in the top line for subscription businesses normally means signing customers up for a more expensive subscription. Consider the Pure Gym example once again. The gym will be able to identify which members consistently buy a fitness product from the vending machines and pay with a membership card so that the data is captured. The team could then easily see who might benefit from an all-in subscription with one protein bar per workout included in the fixed fee. This would be a little cheaper for the member and Pure Gym would get a fixed income it could count on. Like many other streaming services, the Nordic audiobook company Storytel has a family subscription. According to the head of CRM sales and operations, Pierre During-Dalberg, in the data Storytel gathers from normal subscriptions, the company can tell who has the app installed on multiple devices and also whether each account tends to consume similar or very different genres. The consumption of different genres could be an indication that two people are sharing the subscription. These people might get the recommendation mixed up and won't get the full experience, so why not? make absolutely sure that these people are aware that a family subscription exists. It would likely be wise to prioritize both owned and paid media for such an audience. A better top line on subscriptions could potentially also mean adding retail transactions on top of the subscription. The Nordic Bio Meal Box provider Årstiderne, for instance, has combined its weekly grocery box service with an on-top e-commerce business. Customers don't need flour or oil every week, but when they do, why not buy it from Årstiderne and have it delivered in the same box given that their shipping is already paid for. Decreased customer churn. Churn rates specifically relate to subscription-based services. Decreasing churn among existing subscribers is mainly a matter of making sure that they feel they're getting value for money and wish to continue their subscription. In other words, it's about getting to a point where they are using your service sufficiently. So you should make sure you capture any data through either digital behavior or surveys on how your customers are using your services and use that to motivate them to use those services frequently. If your TV streaming subscription gives customers the opportunity to stream both live and on demand, make sure customers know this and ideally ensure that they have at least tried both before their trial subscription ends. If your audiobook service gives people the opportunity to listen to unlimited books, then aim to make sure they listen to books at least twice a week by reminding them to listen and recommending interesting books for them. 
we often get questions on what the best anti-churn tactics are. Ironically enough, the best anti-churn program is very often a good onboarding program, specifically one that makes sure customers are using all relevant services included in their subscription. Most subscriptions have a few critical moments of truth where cancellations or churn are higher than normal, after which the level drops to some kind of plateau. In these moments, it's more important than ever that subscribers are using their subscription to a satisfactory level. For Nordic magazine publisher Storyhouse Ekman, the critical period is not surprisingly when the trial subscription runs out and people convert to paying full price. This is a time when subscribers ask themselves whether to continue or not. If they choose to continue, then normally they stay on for a long period of time. At the conference Digital Copenhagen in 2019, Dorte Carlson from Storyhouse Ekman showed how the company had achieved an amazing 22% decrease in churn rate thanks to a new elaborate and highly personalized welcome program. If for some reason your customers are not using the full plan, then most likely you will have a better plan with less consumption included that they could switch to instead. In fact, a recurring plan check can be a very smart tactic to get people to stay on board. Such a check can make people feel safe and assured that they are on, for instance, the right phone subscription in terms of call minutes, data allowance and number of text messages. In a roundtable event discussing the topic of this book, Lisa Björnhuer, Head of Customer Growth and Loyalty at the telecom company 3 in Sweden, shared how they did just that to decrease churn with a substantial effect. This kind of check doesn't have to take the form of a triggered outbound communication, however. It can also be delivered as a last-minute downgrade offer on the cancellation page. Subscribers desiring to cancel their subscription will experience how FT.com does exactly this. Cost savings Generally speaking, marketing automation is not a cost-cutting exercise. There are cases, however, where it can greatly reduce costs. In the examples below, we'll present three such cases. We have touched upon the first to some extent already in earlier chapters, namely using first-party data in paid media. The lowest hanging fruit can be found by excluding existing subscribers and recent full-price buyers from paid advertising. In retail, this could be done for a while. For subscription services, it should be done for as long as a customer has a subscription. You might also bid less on paid media for a segment of bargain hunters where you generally make less money. Another way of using first-party data to potentially save costs is to improve your targeting of customers on paid media that you believe to be in a certain moment of truth. The football club FC Copenhagen saw a return on advertising spend ROAS, more than two times its normal ROAS on certain campaigns when advertising to such customers. An example of one such moment of truth is customers who recently bought normal game tickets multiple times. It turns out that these customers will fairly easily understand the benefits of signing up for a ticket subscription. Obviously, the increase in effectiveness can be used to either save money or drive more conversions with the same money. For the second example, imagine that your customers tend to raise certain questions of your support department during a specific stage in the customer lifecycle. If you were to set up automated proactive outbound communication giving people the answers to these questions, you could greatly reduce the number of service calls you received. For the Norwegian broadband service provider Eidsiva Breban, Introducing this strategy led to a substantial decrease in service calls. It is a matter of definition whether the third example counts as a way of saving money, but in general, automating your win-back campaigns leads to a substantially lower cost per order or cost per acquisition. We've seen cases with CPO as low as 30% of the average. This was the case for paid social advertising with Storyhouse Egmont when it exposed its previous subscribers to win-back offers. Usually, it makes sense to highlight that you realize it's been a while since you've been in touch with the customer and that your service has improved compared to what it was back then. Remember, however, that this is not the time to encourage people to try something completely different, 
So don't try and lure them back with a cross-sell offer. Rather, mention something that is related to their specific use of your service. Whether you then use the reduced cost of this third example to save money or fuel extra growth will leave up to you. It doesn't change the fact that it's a brilliant tactic. Beyond sales, chasing the next best experience. Within retail especially, marketing automation has been very focused on driving repeat transactions by supplying the next best offer. Algorithms have been trained to automatically match existing offers to customers based on all available customer data. So in a newsletter, for example, the next best offer will be featured at the top for each customer and sales associates will be incentivized to ask each customer about this offer in particular. Also, as soon as a new offer is negotiated with the supplier and created in the database, the algorithm will do its magic and score the offer against all customers. The offer will then be sent out to all customers where the match is above a certain threshold, as defined by the merchant. The decision regarding the threshold will ultimately determine the balance between scale and relevance. The higher the threshold, the less scale, but the more relevance and vice versa. But what if the world doesn't always revolve around you selling stuff to people? What if your customer is nowhere near making any kind of purchase decision, whether due to a previous bad experience, being broke, or some other reason that you'll never know? Then the offer would change from being the next best offer to the least irrelevant, but still quite irrelevant offer. As we discussed in the chapter about messages, chapter 8, these don't always take the form of an offer. Sometimes it's not time to sell because other actions will create more value over the long term. For example, it could be the time to ask the customer to do something, such as install your app, sign up for a webinar or complete the profile. This would be equal to what is called next best action or NBA, not to be confused with basketball associations though. Sometimes an action that is relevant for the brand isn't even appropriate or isn't what generates the most value from the customer's perspective. The message might have to do with making the customer feel something or just know something that could be helpful for them in fulfilling their goals. The concept of enabling the customer to co-create value with the brand is what Forrester calls the next best experience, NBX. In chapter 10, we actually already covered an example of an NBX suggestion, where a brand chose expected long-term value over short-term gains. In 2016, Netflix chose to send trial customers a reminder for the first upcoming payment doubling down on the belief that this would create a good experience with the most important customers and that customers who were scared off by this weren't profitable to try and keep anyway. NBA and NBX are especially useful in call centers and clienteling apps that sales associates use in store. Once the service agent or sales associate has solved a customer's question or inquiry, then they will ideally have the NBX visible for this customer in particular and have the perfect guidance for how to finish off the conversation in a way that maximizes the value creation for the business. For example, did you know that the wine you just bought is made from 100% organic grapes that only grow on the north side of Etna on Sicily? Or, as you're one of our most loved customers, we're inviting you to our spring collection release party. However, I don't see your RSVP. Or, I can see our email bounced the last time we sent you a newsletter. Did you change your email address lately? Such personal meetings between customers and service or sales associates serve as one exception to the rule that a message is what matters the most in outbound communication. The right message, as determined by NBX algorithms, can make a big difference if you have frequent interactions with recognized customers either in-store or in support. What are the most effective flows? Not everybody has data and customer insights so well sorted that they find it easier even possible to implement next best experience. That raises the question of which marketing automation flows are the most effective and thus which should be built first. 
The answer, of course, is that it depends. But it is always a good idea to have some sort of flow addressing an abandoned basket, an abandoned order form or sign-up flow. This will address bottom funnel drop-offs and immediately boost conversions. The exception is, if you have very few marketing consents, then you're probably better off chasing more of them. Another important flow is your welcome flow. As discussed earlier in this chapter, a thorough welcome flow can serve as a powerful introduction to your company. If you're thorough and want to start a marketing automation project off on the right foot, then you should begin by doing a proper customer journey mapping process. This should ideally be built on sound data visualization, as briefly mentioned in Chapter 7, and quantitative analysis that can help you to discover where the biggest disappointments and disconnects are in the customer journey. Then fix those firsts. After that, it's a matter of which direction you choose. Is your strategy all about short-term chasing of money? Or is it more on-brand to build long-term relationships with customers where you aren't always selling? In most cases, you should consider evening out any two sales-oriented triggers with one that is more altruistic and genuinely helpful. The Red Cross in Sweden, for instance, has an automated flow with the sole purpose of saying thank you for a donation and explaining a bit about how the donation will be put to use. The thank you flow played an important part in the organization increasing the number of its regular donors by 24%. Maturity levels for marketing automation. Just like when you're personalizing your campaigns, working with personalization in marketing automation is an area you can continue to become better at. Below, we have conceptualized three archetypical maturity levels for how you do this. You can use this to get an idea of your approximate maturity level as well as a suggested scope for further development. Please refer to the illustrations you can find at omnichannelinstitute.com resources for the full illustration package from this book. A company at a beginner maturity level within marketing automation will show the following traits. Manual insertion of products as graphic splash images and emails. No message variants for different customer segments. Separate content, emails and flows for each country, language and segment. Primarily website and email data used in triggers. No transactional data in use. Few single email triggers, for instance sign-up confirmation and abandoned basket. A company at an intermediate maturity level within marketing automation will show the following traits. Simple rule-based suppression logic. Simple rule-based inclusion of content feeds in emails. More commercial than delightful moments of truth in play. Rule-based determination of moments of truth on multiple data types. Triggers become longer flows. Two to three most important moments of truth implemented using the full bowtie knot. See chapter six. A company at a leader maturity level within marketing automation will show the following traits. Algorithmic inclusion of content feeds in emails. Paid media is part of key marketing automation flows. Central messages and AI-based calculation of NBX. Balance between commercial and helpful messages. Variance of messages per segment. Most campaigns are automated. Thank you for listening in on this episode of Hello First Name. Remember that all models and even a written abstract of the book are available for download. You'll find the link in the show notes. In our next episode, which is a more classical podcast style, we'll be discussing the chapter you just listened to, namely Personalization in Marketing Automation with Jesper Lindeberg, Head of CRM at the online fashion marketplace Mento.com.